All right. So I went for a run just now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get a little bit fitter for the trip. Yeah, nice. Um, thing is, I've got a spreadsheet from um, oh, about 20 years ago where I used to record all my run times. Oh. I don't even get close to half the time. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 39, for the 5th of May, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Google Cloud makes a profit. Did you want more bandwidth with your instances? I bet you do. And yes, it can happen. There's a big GCP outage in Europe. Plus, we bring you up to date with all the latest in the AI wars. But before any of that, I'd like to introduce the new co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you going, Ian? Good, Banky. How are you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good, good, good. How's it feel sitting in that seat? <laughs> the hot seat, mate. The hot seat. The hot seat. <laughs> That's good. No, it's good, mate. It's good. Uh, it's good to have you on board, and um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're going to make a good run at it. It's going to be going to be yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, but, thanks. Good to be here. But yeah, yeah, good. What are you? Uh, what have you been up to in the week during the during the fortnight? Any tech adventures well, or anything? Uh, well, there's uh, very few tech adventures. Uh, more picked up a camper trailer yesterday. That was oh, a, nice. that was <laughs> an awesome adventure. Uh, bought ourselves a brand new Oztrack camper trailer just to go to the Cape in. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, this weekend's plan is to put 240 volt into it. So we've got an inverter that I've got spare sitting in the garage. Yep. And uh, I'll get that all wired into the lithium battery that's in there. Yep. Yep. Nice. So that I, I saw there's a shore power plug on it, but that's that's not currently wired into – there's obviously no inverter in there, so it wouldn't be connected to the 12-volt system, right? No. that's no. Yeah, that's just the charger. So it's got a projector charging system in it to yep. keep that battery topped off when you're on shore power. Ah, uh, I see. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we're just uh, – I'm just putting it in there because, you know, need the coffee machine. Yep. Yep. Does it does it have two forty volt outlets throughout at the moment? No. No. Okay. Right. No. So, yeah, so yeah. I will be putting one single two forty volt outlet in there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's that's excellent. Yeah. See, my I do have an inverter in mine, um, but no shore power plug. But I can open the hatch and pull the plug out. You know, I can do that kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if I want to get the two forty, I just open the seat and I, there's a plug on the on the on the inverter. But um, I've never really had any need for it, but you're right. We've got to have that coffee machine when we go to the Cape. Oh, yes. <laughs> really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Besides that, I uh, I hadn't uh, hadn't really started any tech adventure. I did start something. I I, I don't know, few, uh, almost twelve months ago, I think I mentioned on the show. That I had the uh, Amiga EATX two thousand. Uh, uh, like um, homebrew motherboard, right? These, oh, nice, these guys. Yeah. yeah, I actually started soldering some components on there. Oh, uh, awesome. I put, we, some, uh, put some of the we, inductors on there. Yeah. Nice. We happened to, my young fella bought a, um, a PS2 from an op shop uh, one weekend ages ago. It was mm. just full of dirt and garbage. So over the weekend, we sort of pulled it all apart and, and got it all cleaned up. And, uh, and she runs. And, yeah, and it and it runs. Reads discs. It was a bit crunchy to start with. We just got in there with some IPA and cleaned yep, it out, and yep, yep. she works a treat now. Yep. He's loving it. Excellent. You can upgrade the hard drive and everything on those. Put uh, no hard drive in these. These no, are PS2. 
Oh, PS2, is it? Sorry, I thought you yeah. said PS3. Ah, PS2, yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, you can do a hard drive mod on those because I had a PS2 yep. with that, that pluggy thing that goes on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can, uh, did, did you, did you put the firmware hack in there with the, with the writable, uh, Memo 32? No, we haven't, we haven't looked at any of that yet. Ah. We're literally at the process of, we've got it working, we know it works, and now it's time to look at PSIO and yep. a yep. whole heap of other things. Yep, I'll, I'll, I'll set you on the good path, because I had that all set yep. up at one point with the, with the Memo yeah, nice. 32, um, and you could put a custom BIOS and everything in there, it was, it was good. Yeah, I love that because he's now he's got a PS one and a PS two and a PS four, so he's only missing the three and the five. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when he when he when he gets a job. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I uh, just see Bard's available in Australia. I did. Yeah. I've been playing with Bard. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's certainly it's certainly interesting. Uh, I yeah. I, uh, I I did a so I've been doing a little bit of programming in um, in J- in JavaScript in React and uh, and I had a I was like oh I've got to do this thing where I want to authenticate using um, Firebase authentication and I know how to do it mm. I've done it before but I was like I'm going to ask Bard for a code snippet and nice. see how close it is nice. to what I do so you used it in anger that's good I did yeah. I yeah. did use it in anger and it works a treat. Mm. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, I haven't actually used it. In, I've asked it a few silly questions here and there, but nothing really in anger at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to really give it a good go. Um, but uh, SpaceX. SpaceX. Uh, yes. uh, so, yeah, talk, speaking of explosions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, the old SpaceX, uh, yeah, Do we know, didn't go so well. Do we know what happened? Well, um, so there's lots and lots of diff- conflicting reports out there, yeah. but uh, but essentially what happened was of the 33 Merlin engines, the FAA has said that uh, only at least eight of them failed to fire. Yep. Um, when I was watching it, I thought I counted five at most that didn't fire, but uh, it looked like that on the graphic. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and what happened was when when it got to Apogee and it, and it started losing control and floating around like like it was in the ocean, yeah. Uh, the, there's a system on board called the flight termination system, which is aimed so that it doesn't come crashing down to earth with a hundred thousand kilos of um yep. of propellant on board and devastating consequences. Yeah, and mm. devastating consequences. Mm. Um, and it it terminated the flight. So. Yep. There's lots of conjecture about whether that was an automated system or whether that was something that SpaceX actually manually triggered. Right. Um, I I don't really care either way. The fact is no one died, so that's a good start. Yeah, well, here's my takeaway on it at the moment. I think what seems to have happened when the the rocket's taken off from its launch pad. Now, you've seen the launch pad there. It's just this... Apparently, it's specialized concrete. It's just a plinth, right? That it just sits up on. You, you don't have any. No, there's no. There's no. Um, you know, there's water damping water, system yep. or or exhaust tunnels or any of this stuff, right? So when it's taken off, it's just shot this stuff everywhere, and concrete and debris and everything has bounced back and hit the rock. I mean, you've seen the aftermath, right? Of oh, all, yeah. the, all the all the storage tanks and damage that basically damaged the rocket. Oh, well, now, and and it's damaged the pad too. Like it's and damaged the pad. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge hole in the pad. Yeah, that's right. Now, when that goes, when that uh, takes off, now when the engines shut down, the basically the engines failed to shut down. And what's supposed to happen when those engines shut down? 
the actual uh, starship on the booster breaks away from the booster and there's it's just sitting there and and when the engine stops it's just the inertia of the star of starship that separates it from the booster yeah now the engines didn't stop because there was a valve broken at the bottom which prevented the engines from stopping <laughs> so yep. the starship never separated um yeah, yeah it, so hmm. but hey it it was even though uh, supposedly eight Eight of the um, thirty-three Merlin engines failed to fire. It was still the most powerful rocket yeah. that has ever been launched. Yeah, which is is quite the feat. Um, even though it's like technically a failure, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, well, it does in in millions of pieces scattered all over the world. <laughs> An but, RUD, uh, <laughs> ra- rapid unplanned disassembly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But uh, I was just I was doing a little bit more reading on this, mm. and apparently there's been lots of complaints by residents in Port Isabel, which is about um, in American in bananas six nautical miles away or six miles away. Sorry, not yep. nautical miles. Uh, Apparently, buildings were shaking, and um, they were getting like this sandy debris on their on their roofs, and that's six miles away. And uh, the FAA has has put the kibosh on any future Starship launches until yeah. all of that's resolved. All that's clean up. I think the EPA's got something to say about it as well. They might yeah, be maybe. knocking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but here's the thing: uh, I don't think Elon uh, is keen to make many changes to the launch pad because no. because he wants to launch this from Mars. Now you're not going to have a fancy launch pad on Mars, right? So no, you've got to right. you got to you got to simplify it right down. Um, yeah, it's so, it's got to be the 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 flattest easiest thing in the world to build on a remote planet. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it remains to be seen uh, how that mm. pans out. We'll but, see what um, happens. In other news, I uh, I recently set my uh, network pro reset, and I oh, passed. Nice. Congratulations! Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. I, uh, I I had to. Well, I wouldn't say I crammed for this one, but um, it certainly wasn't as easy as first go around. Now, being right in the midst of this big migration, a big project going on, I had to fit it all in around everything. Do a bit on the weekend as well. Um, and uh, yeah, managed just booked it in and just went for it. I'd have to say. Um, I know it's the second time around, so it should be a little bit easier, but compared to the questions from the first time around, it really did seem like they dumbed the questions down a little bit. Okay. Uh, I, I recall the first time around the questions being these huge blocks of text, right? And you had to hold it all in your head as you read through it all. Uh, it wasn't like that this time around. Uh, they okay. only really had one or two concepts per question, and uh, the the replies weren't as wordy either. And they actually had a network diagram in a couple of them as well, so that made things okay. a lot more sensible. Maybe maybe they had too many people failing the first version of it, and they were like, oh, uh, maybe it's too hard. Yeah, yeah, I really think a lot of people would have failed that, and they would have got some feedback on that in the in the in the because uh, you can do a feedback thing at the end, right? Yeah. Um, oh, of course. You know, you, you you've done the you've done the architect exam, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you do the feedback thing at the end. They would have got a lot of feedback on that, no doubt. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, there was a real struggle the first time around. Didn't didn't feel like that this time, but yeah, passed it. Yeah, good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It's awesome. Um, all right, cool. Should we? Um, I think that's enough banter for now. Should we move on with the community news? Sure. Why not? Awesome. Let's get on with the community news.
All right, we've only got one community news item, and uh, you can tell us all about that, Ian, because it's from your neck of the woods. It is, indeed. Uh, so GDG Brisbane, which uh, I'm an organiser of, uh, we're hosting Aleski, who's a an Angular de- um, GDE, so Google Developers Expert, up in Brizzy um, this month, actually, in on the 11th. Uh, and he's presenting on the future of web dev with Angular V16. So it should be it should be a really really good night. Um, lots of sort of developer centric stuff um, going on there. Uh, he and I have been in contact for a bit now, just uh, just trying to sort out how deep he goes into this. Mm. Um, we're sort of going to keep it mid tier, that it appears appeals to both developers um, and and newcomers. Uh, we're not trying to sort of. Uh, go right into the into the deep dive because you know that scares people sometimes. It sometimes it does, and uh, I guess everyone can find details on that on Meetup. They can indeed. Yep, excellent. I will put a link in the show notes. All right, and that's all for the community news. Well, we thought this week uh, Ian and I have a little little bit of fun um, because we are recording today on May the fourth, which of course is Star Wars Day. Um, the show doesn't come out until you you will hear this um, on on the fifth, which is tomorrow, the Friday. But we are recording on the fourth, and uh, I, I said to Ian a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Why don't we do a little Star Wars themed thing?" and and we'll see um, how many. List a few ways that GCP could have saved the Empire, and then, or list a few ways GCP could have helped the Rebel Alliance. And I said, Ian, what do you want to do? And Ian said, Oh, you're the host, you pick. So I picked the Empire. I picked how can, how can GCP, what could have saved the Empire? How could have Darth Vader ruled the world? I could have ruled the world if, if they'd used <laughs> <And> GCP. <laughs> this was so hard to do, like really. Oh, it, mate, it is hard. I sat down and did some homework. I watched four or five of the films. Yep. Uh, not episode one, two or three, because I couldn't sit through, this, through those again. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started from, uh, from Rogue One. Um, and just sort of work work through those, um, but yeah, it's really hard because it, it, you think of you think of the Star Wars universe. There's a lot of tech in the Star Wars universe, right? It's a sci-fi, but a lot of the interaction isn't with the tech. The interaction is with the people. That's right, right? Yeah. And they're shooting each other a lot of the time, so they're not interfacing with computers. The making of a good film. It's the making of a good. It's a western, right? <laughs> it's a space <laughs> western. <laughs> So anyway, I, I racked my brains, and you'll have to you'll have to give me a bit of slack on a couple of these. But um, here's uh, here's what I've got. So the first one here, it's an older code. I was about to clear them. Right now, we all know that. Right now, that's that's where they're trying to get down to the forest moon on Endor. Right, and they, they've yep. got to deactivate the shield generators. You've got you've got Princess Leia, Han Solo, uh, and Chewie. Uh, it's an older code. I was about to clear them. Now, you know, where's your where's your key rotation? Yeah, that's right. right? You shouldn't you shouldn't be having older codes, right? Use a bit of key rotation. Uh, maybe a customer supplied encryption key, right? Um, I don't know something. Why why are there older codes hanging around here? <laughs> <laughs> so that's anyway, that's, that that was actually when I when I 
when I posited the idea to you, Ian, that was the one that was already in my head. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. yep, we could have solved this one, right? Um, I, uh, I, I had one in my head right from the get-go. How about um, do an alternate? How, how yeah, about you? Yeah, What's let's, the next one here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I had one in my head right from the get-go, which was – so you always had all the X-Wing fighters. They've all got the heads-up displays and everything, and it, in um, – uh, on the Millennium Falcon, they've got they've got all the computers on on there. And realistically, if if the Rebel Alliance was feeding all of this data into an AI, mm. like Google's AI or AutoML or something like that, they could have mapped where all of the Empire ships were, and used a bit of tactical nuance to destroy them all. So I was like. <laughs> Why aren't they feeding this data into AI? Like the, Google's got the services there. They got it's the available. data there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a worldwide service. Let's do it. It's, it's global. Yeah, well, it's that's it's, right. it's galactic wide. You'd imagine they'd have Google front ends everywhere by then, right? Well, that's wide. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, do we need to talk about the big stupid data silo on Adu? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Rogue One, right? Now, for those of you that, that don't know, the Death Star plans are stored in this... St- <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time I think about it. All, actually, all the Empire's plans are stored in this stupid data silo with this robotic arm that goes... It's like something from the 1980s. You know, the tape, tape silo. Library. Star, yeah, yeah. Tape library. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> no replicas. No replica. No, no re- we'll get onto that one in a minute. But like spanner, maybe I don't know. That'd be good, right? That's yeah. that's what I'd be using, right? Put 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 all that data in spanner, right? Or even, or even just as a worst case scenario, throw it into cloud storage and make it make it um, global instead of regional. Make a global cloud storage, if you want. Yep, yep. Um, now, now I, I've got a particular strategy here in mind. Now, y- you could have. Spanner would be great, um, or or cloud storage would be great. But what you actually wanted is a distributed database. Now, you, you you the reason you want it to be a distributed database is because if the you want to do the opposite of data redundancy, right? If it's, if you're thinking tactically, so when the empire comes to Edu, oh sorry, when when the when the when the when the rebels. rebels come to Edu to get the plans, you actually want to shut that database down. You want to destroy that database, but you still distribute it everywhere else so they can't get the data. Yeah, very nice. Right? Right? So they've, yep, they've done, done all this effort to get through the shields, and they get there and they go, oh, oh, well, the data's not here anymore. They've shut this one down. They've got to go to some other planet. Right? So, I like that. That's anyway, or, or, or just put a service perimeter there, right? That'd be another one. Well, okay. that's right, yeah. 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 <laughs> VPC service controls. Yes. That's right. So so I know that the, the Empire used uh, bounty hunters quite con- quite successfully to target the Rebel Alliance. And, and yeah. I thought to myself, maybe the Rebels should have done exactly the same. They should have used bounty hunters themselves. Like, they weren't as financially well off as the Empire for obvious reasons. Yep. Uh, but surely they could crowdsource, uh, and they didn't have a problem with morals because, let's face it, Han Solo wasn't exactly the most reputable Oh, uh, no, he's not completely clean cut. No, no, no <laughs> not at all. So why not use Firebase to um, stand up a little little site where people can compete to uh, to 
bounty hunter, a certain individual. Let's say Darth <laughs> Vader. Okay. I mean, so I try. I mean, in the same way we do bug bounties, right? It That's exactly right. A bounty hunter website. Bug <laughs> bounty website. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, as people have been to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'd be into that. <laughs> with your with your disruptor cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, another thing that happens quite a lot is now R two D two does this when he when he goes to shut down the trash compactors, um, and L three does it as well during the during the jailbreak on on uh, the 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 mines. Right, the robots plug in. Their their activatory pluggy spinny yep. thing, right? The spinner thing. The spinner thing. Well, once again, wh- where's your authentication, right? I mean, that's an API, I'd imagine, right? So where's your authentication there? Where's your encryption, right? Yeah, where's, well, your, where's your? It's keys? a universal key. It's a universal key. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the skeleton key of all skeleton keys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think really the Empire should think a little more strongly about security next time. You know, maybe the, the Emperor or Darth Vader should just give me a call and I can just help him out with a bit of that. But um, yeah, they, they, they failed a few times with their encryption. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I actually, uh, I actually, I had something very similar in mind with, with R2-D2. He's plugged in on the Death Star. He's downloading all of the codes and everything like that. Yep. Um Send it into a massive, like a global data or a universal um, database, like Cloud Spanner or something like that, um, so that everybody can see it right up front. Um, obviously, that one's not real, real flash. So I turned to Bard. I, I sort of got to number two, and I was scratching my head, and I'm like, uh, I've got to have three. I've got to have at least three. So I turned to Bard, and I was like, How can Google Cloud help the Rebel Alliance? And Bard was not helpful. No, he would have no idea. It's really hard. No, no it, it wasn't. The best suggestion it had was helping the Rebel Alliance to stay one step ahead of the Empire. Google Cloud's security and intelligence capabilities can help the Rebel Alliance stay one step ahead of the Empire. For example, Google Cloud can be used to track the Empire's movements to identify potential threats and develop new strategies for defeating the Empire, which is basically my first point. <laughs> And most of mine have been around security as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, Empire really needs to improve their security. But one last one here I've got. Um, Obi-Wan sneaking around the Death Star and uh, he goes around that thing and he pulls that lever that turn, turn the shields off, right? Um, that sound actually has been voted one of the best sounds in all of I love movie that sound. history. Sound, that sound, right? Why? Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. Why? <laughs> Where's your, you- where's your IoT? Where's your IoT? Where's your API to do that? Right? Why do you have to sneak around the back to pull a lever? Well, well, more importantly, why isn't the lever locked? <laughs> Basic security people. Come there's, on. There's that. Yeah, yeah. Um, some sort of I don't know fingerprint or passcode maybe to two factor perhaps on that. I don't know. Anything would be Anything. better than an unregulated lever just sitting out in space. <laughs> Shut down the whole <laughs> shield system. Well, I don't know about you, Aaron, but I had a lot of fun coming up with those. I got to watch yeah. a lot of the movies again too. <laughs> yep, that's it. I, I I loved it. It was it was really hard to come up with the three really dodgy ones that I came up with, but 
but it was it was a lot of fun finding them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you have it. How what if we were to rewrite the Star Wars scripts and include Google Cloud? That's what we'd have in there. Yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. All right, enough of the shenanigans. Let's get on with the news items. All right, Google Cloud has turned a profit. They have indeed. They have. Um, now, have we got the numbers on this? Um, I, I do. So so they've generated $191 million in, in income on a $7.45 billion revenue in the first quarter. Ooh, which ooh, party is, time, yeah. Which is up from a $706 million loss on $5.82 billion in the last year, the equivalent last year quarter. Yeah, wow. Now, how did they achieve this? Was it some 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 jiggery pokery with the with the the ledger, or is this legitimate? Well, and that's the thing. So there's there's a few people saying, "Oh, look, they just sort of reorganised a few cost centres here and there, and mm-hmm. voila, you've got a profit." Um, obviously, Alphabet slash Google are not going to come out and say that no. um, directly. So it, that's it's all speculation. I did notice though, YouTube ad revenue was down by two point six percent. That's right. So uh, I'm just I got an article here from the Guardian, and that's what they say. Uh, YouTube and ad review in the quarter four for 2022 shrank for the first time in the company's history, falling about two percent from seven billion uh, to seven billion from seven point two billion year over year. That's right. Mm. So uh, the the it looks like a lot of this is to do with TikTok. So um, yep. YouTube is very much invested in the, the short-form video or YouTube shorts, as yep. it's known, uh, to compete with, with the likes of TikTok and, and Instagram shorts and Facebook reels Facebook, or Insta- yep. Instagram reels and Facebook shorts. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch them. This article here does say YouTube shorts now has 50 billion daily views up from 30 billion this time last year. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of daily views. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, I, I wouldn't personally, right, you know, being the boomer I am, that's what my kids call me, but it's completely, I'm not a boomer. Yeah, my parents are boomers, incorrect. right? Yeah. Um, I would never look at TikTok. I would never look at short form videos on TikTok, right? But here I am looking at short form videos on YouTube. Why? Because, you know, I can and it's easy and it's accessible. I've got, got the YouTube app installed, right? That and, might and- explain some of that uplift in views. Well, that's right. And and also, um, I mean, I don't look at TikTok. There's a whole heap of security concern around TikTok and what the yeah. app can do on your mobile phone and on your computer and all the rest of it. I, I'm, I'm not interested in opening up that can of worms. Yep. But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly, like I, I did see as a, a creator I follow on YouTube that does shorts and I, I clicked on one of his videos one night thinking I was watching one of his full videos and it wasn't, it was just a short. I was like, What's going on here? It's only 16 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Most of, I'm, I'm going to put it out there and say 90% of the YouTube shorts are just TikTok videos that have been transferred over anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they, yep. they, have, they have this, uh, one of the things that I've noticed on all of them, they have this um, 
this hashtag on the bottom that's FYP, for, it's, uh, which stands for from your page or for your page. I can't remember which one it is, but right. it's, a, it's a TikTok thing. Ah, right. It's funny how you get these little micro-communities. That's it. Yeah. I put the word TLDR in a chat the other day, and the people in the chat told me they had to go and look it up. Really? Yeah. Really? You don't, be know what TL- you don't know what TLDR is? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Old. Google Google profits are up. Um, we'll keep an eye on that because it could just be a bump. It could. It could be, you know, um, be nice to see continue that trend. It's interesting. I was looking at uh, Ubuntu sent me a, an email last night to say, hey, look at the TCO calculators that Ubuntu's got here for Ubuntu Private Cloud. Um, and it shows in there that um, Google Cloud is actually looking at a, a specific set of, of VMs and databases and all that sort of stuff out of the three big cloud vendors, Azure, AWS, and, and GCP. GCP is actually the cheapest out of the whole lot of them. Mm. Um Obviously, Ubuntu has sponsored this white paper that they sent me because uh, once you get over like 100,000 VMs or something like that, um, all of a sudden, Ubuntu's private cloud offering is so much so much um, uh, cheaper than, than anything else. Right. Yeah. And they're basically, yeah, it's the upsell. Yeah. Trying to get the upsell. Yeah. Plus, we've got to remember, um, Google cut all those jobs. 12,000 jobs, 6% of its workforce. That's right, yeah. Um, so that's, and that's and the, internal, the internal employee perks have been cut back as well. Oh, have they? Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. So, uh, I, I don't know, I haven't been in the Google office lately, but last time I went there, there was an entire floor where it was, it was a canteen and you could, you know, yeah. free lunches and free coffees for all. There, there yeah. was, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the restaurant in the... In the, the H building in Sydney. The, the restaurant, <laughs> that's right, in the H building. So it remains to be seen if that continues. Um, no. it could be the could be the end of the line. It could be. I wish them the best of luck to keep <laughs> growing it, though. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. All right, let's move on with a little bit of security news. Um, we've got this uh, problem that seems to have come about. It's been patched now, but they, they were calling it the ghost token floor. Yeah, I saw this. Like mm. June twenty twenty two, it was discovered and reported to Google, and it was patched last month. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, I I was having a bit of a read in this earlier, and just trying to understand what happens here. This is an article uh, on the Hacker News. I'll link in the show notes. But it seems to me, well, I'll just quote exactly what the article says here. In a nutshell. The flaw makes it possible for an attacker to hide their malicious app from a victim's Google account application management page, thereby effectively preventing users from revoking its access. Well, this is achieved by deleting the GCP project associated with the authorised OAuth application, causing it to go to pending deletion state. The The threat actor armed with this capability, could then unhide, which I assume they mean undelete, the rogue app by restoring the project and use the access token to obtain the victim's data and then make it invisible again, which I assume they mean delete the project Delete the project again, yeah. So the the article shows a little workflow there, I suppose you could call it. It's uh, really quite ingenious in that they, they present an app on the App Store um, regardless of whether it's a, um, a 
a Google phone or a or a uh, or a, an iPhone, you authenticate with your Gmail or your your Google account, regardless of whether it's a workspace account or just a consumer account. Um, and then the threat actor just deletes the project, thereby removing that app from your visibility in your Google account. Um, and in order to attack you and gain access to all your data, they simply restore the project before the timeout occurs and yep. it gets permanently yep. deleted. That that shows them all your data. They can download all that data and then they delete the project again and they can do this as many times as they like. So obviously uh, they can't anymore. Yeah, right. So, well, the patch, the patch, I don't think the patch is perfect either. Google's patch addresses the problem by now also displaying apps that are in the pending deletion state on third-party access page. So it's not actually proactively doing anything. It's just showing you that it's in pending deleting, allowing users to revoke the permission granted to such apps. Yeah, that's interesting because now you've now you've got a, a conundrum where you've got a user who doesn't realize that this is happening to them and doesn't they they know that they've authenticated with this app mm. they don't suspect this app and therefore they ignore it so it's that's not actually helping users at the end of the day that's that's the thing yeah it's not actually proactively solving the problem is it i mean it's no. notifying of them so i don't know has this been exploited yet is anyone aware of this being used I couldn't find anything when I was researching the article of how it's been exploited, but that's not to say that it hasn't. It does say once a malicious app has been authorised, an attacker exploiting the vulnerability can bypass Google's apps with access to your account management feature, which is the only place where Google users can view third-party apps connected to their account. Hmm. But once again, you have to go in and proactively look that up, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I found another article on Bleeping Computer which says very much the same thing as the Hack and News one. Uh, even has the same uh asterisk security attack flow. So, yep. but again doesn't say that this has occurred or how many people have been affected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly been around for a long time. Um oh, yeah. fr- from June 2022 and and finally got Patched. I'll use the air quotes. Patched in April this year. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to know if it was actually exploited anywhere. All right, moving on. Um, we've got more bandwidth. We love a bit more bandwidth. We do. We love we lo- bandwidth. We love a bit more bandwidth. Um, we now have up to two hundred gig available in VM instances. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's so good. Um, Depending on VM size, the default bandwidth limit for C2 ranges from 10 to 32 gig, and for C3 ranges from 23 to 100 gig. With tier one networking, you can take that up to 200 in C3. That's right. Yeah. And and, and that also bumps the internet traffic too. It does. So your internet, yeah. yeah, so your, uh, your tier one on external IPs normally gives you uh, seven gig a second. And now it's up to 25 gig a second internet throughput, which is awesome. That's like three and a half times. That's blistering, yeah. Mm. Um, interestingly, um, it does say you need to enable tier one networking 
Um, in, but in order to get that, you need to have the Google VNIC, the G VNIC. I was just having a look at the uh, the throughputs. The in order to get your your twenty five gig a second, you're going to need a a machine with thirty two vCPUs in it, which is, I mean, that's a considerable number of vCPUs. Yep, yep. So you need a thirty two. You need your thirty two vCPUs. You need your G VNIC. Uh, you need to enable tier one networking and a supported image yep. and a supported image, which is basically just a custom kernel. That's right. That's what it, that's what it would be. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, they do put use cases here, and they say, for example, some machine learning environments require higher throughput due to demand from ML workloads, batch processing, and large data transfers. So, if you're using a data lake or something like that, and you, you're getting a, you need a lot of I/O, these are the puppies for you. Yeah, right. That's going to be um, huge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I wonder where this leaves um, inline inspection. You know, if you're using something like a, a a custom inspection appliance. So, I mean, if you're if you've got a a, a next gen virtual uh, firewall in line there, it's pretty much dead in the water. It's going to tank it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. I mean, yeah. it's going to send so much traffic to it, it'll fall over. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you want to you want to have a clear line straight through. With, that's right. If you're going to get this, yeah. If you want to get this throughput. And even Cloud IDS isn't going to handle it. So Google's own Cloud IDS service won't be able to inspect that quantity of traffic because it only handles, it only guarantees inspection on 5 gig. Yeah, yeah. Still, it's nice to have it available. That's it. Um, now, did this, uh, this is this is GA now? So I, I, did I read that in this it article? It is indeed. This, this is GA now. Yep. Excellent. All right. Yeah, can't wait till we get a client that needs that. <laughs> Spin it up. <laughs> um, all right, now another thing on the at the tech front as well. Um, we now have Private Service Connect now hybrid and global. Now this is cool. This is really cool, actually. I've been playing quite a bit with uh, with Private Services Connect uh, of late on the project that I'm working on, mm. and it is it's the new the new way of connecting to to manage services. So. Um, several months ago, Google introduced the ability for interconnect traffic to reach public services through PSC endpoints. So mm-hmm. that'll allow you to be on-prem um, and connect to something like uh, if you deploy Confluent Cloud, for instance, in, in your shared VPC, uh, the PSC endpoint will, will relay that traffic through. Basically a NAT setup, right? Yeah, so you that's hit, right. you hit the endpoint at your end and it tunnels it through to the, the producer project at the other end and then NATs it out the other end. Yeah, That's it. Exactly right. The, yep. the caveat to, to PSC is always that it has to reside in the same uh, region as your managed service. So you can't have a managed service in, um, let's say, Australia Southeast 1 and have... Confluent Cloud running in Australia Southeast 2 and expect the traffic to go. It just won't work. Right. No. But what they have done now is they've enabled global access. So what you can do now is you can be in an entirely different country or an entirely different region and get to the endpoint in Australia Southeast 1 and through to your managed service in the background. Yep. Um, and you can do that from all over the world. So yep. So basically, in the VPC, when you enable global routing, those routes now for your endpoint appear in all in all, all of all, your all your regions. Tables. Yep, yep, yep. 
Nice. Yeah, really, really cool, cool so, progression of the service. So the example they give is you've got your cloud interconnect, um, you know, in US East 1, but your endpoints and, you know, the bulk of your services could be in US West 1, but you can just, via your VPC global routing, you can hop from one region to the other and get to your endpoints. That's Beautiful. exactly right. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, thinking about that, given that a private service connect endpoint is Wow, it's not strictly in the VPC, is it? You have it on a on a separate subnet. Yes, it's, it's yeah, on a separate okay. subnet. Yeah, because I was thinking if it was on the VPC on that subnet, then why weren't they doing it at the start with? But it's actually not. It's in it. Yeah. You you got to nominate a separate range for your your uh, uh, private service connect endpoints. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then that's advertised back. Yeah. Nice, very very nice. Um, now this is uh, preview at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, they seem to put these through at a blistering rate, and you can bet we're going to have a client that needs this, and they're going to want it anyway. <laughs> uh, the client that I'm I'm currently on will be using this. We'll, we'll be using this for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because yep. we're using Australia Southeast one and two yep. for high availability um, interconnects, and uh, yeah, so it will use that interregion routing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, that helps us with the problem that we were trying to solve a few months ago, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool, awesome. All right, well, I'll come knocking in when uh, when you set that up, and I want to have a good look at it. Um, running now, mate. Running now. Okay. All right, let's move on. And um, got an item here from the "It Can Happen" department. It really, really, really can happen. Uh, Google outage in Paris. And yeah. uh, you you were looking at the dashboard earlier, Ian. What's the status? Uh, the status is still down. Uh, so uh, Google has officially labelled it. As uh, US West 9A zone, so it's it's not any other zone inside of that region. It's just the A zone. Yep. And Europe, uh, Europe, Europe West, Europe or US? Yeah, Europe. Europe, Europe, Europe as yep. in Paris. Yep. Uh, Europe West 9A. Yep. yep. So Europe West 9 is Paris, uh, and the description is water intrusion in a data center caused yeah, so a multi-cluster failure. That's it. Yeah, Google Cloud was hit by an outage of high number of services yesterday when the data center in Paris caught fire around midnight Tuesday. The fire caused the fire department to soak the building with water, precipitating a multi-cluster failure which shut down more than 90 cloud services. Now, I'm 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 somewhat concerned here that the fire service has been just dousing data centers in water. Like whatever happened <laughs> to put our the fire out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what happened to our old sort of gas flooding services that uh the halon and all that sort of stuff. The Energen system, yeah. What yeah. happened to all that? What? What? Why aren't they out, being used? Could have been outside the data center. It could I have been. Know. Could have been. Yeah, you got these transformers outside, and they've got the they've got the coolant in them, and that can be explosive. Um, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. We had a we had a transformer up here, uh, up on the mountain where I live. Uh, lightning storm a few weeks ago, and one of the transformers must have been hit, and it made an almighty bang. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep, the company status page explains that water intrusion in Europe West 9A led to an emergency shutdown of some hardware in that zone and that there was no current ETA for recovery of operations because this whole place is burnt down and soaked in water, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's <laughs> Customers it. Customers were advised to fail over the other zones. Now, I vaguely remember, Ian, about 12 months ago, there was someone that we were working with that didn't have a redundant setup, and they dealt with a situation very similar like this. And, yes. uh, 
you know, it does happen. Have a redundant oh, setup. It does indeed. It's interesting though. There's is there's not many services that have failed. So when you oh, look at the oh, 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 really look at the list here. Yeah, well, <laughs> services the, the, that are curtailed temporarily. It's like pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, but as of now, like looking oh, at okay. the at looking at the status dashboard right now, the yep. the list of services is sort of Firestore, Bigtable. Uh, Cloud SQL, Compute Engine, Kubernetes Engine, uh, Persistent Disk. But it goes without saying, and that's it. Everything Ooh. else is running. Ooh, okay. Interesting if anyone had a, only a zonal persistent disk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they'll find out pretty quick. They'll find out pretty quick, yeah. I, I'm going to go uh, out on a limb and say they probably know about now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, the article uh, I link here on the new stack will list all the services that were affected. Oh, it sounds like they've recovered now, but yeah, pretty much every service was affected at some point in time. Yep. Um, so yeah, there you go, guys. Um, make sure you're setting up for redundancy because it can happen. Yeah. Well, we had, I remember about 10 or 12 years ago, AWS had an entire region failure. Mm. Um, and it, that went on for multiple days. Yep. So yeah, because it was a, it happens. A, a bad repo push or something. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. because you're a hyperscaler doesn't mean you're a, you're you're immune immune to these sort of things. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on with our final item. Let's get an update on the AI wars. AI wars. Uh, a couple of quick ones straight out the gate. Um, Open AI. Now, look. I, so much going on with AI. I, th- I thought we, we can't cover everything, right? So I, I, I thought we'll just I'll just grab a couple of quick ones that that uh, that uh, pique my interest. And and straight out of the gate, we've got this one here. ChatGPT introduces incognito mode. Yeah, this uh, this one's interesting. Yeah, um, I, it I, gives you thoughts. So. It's incognito mode. I see it very much similar, sorry, very similar to uh, Chrome's incognito mode where, sure, your browser will forget about it, but Google doesn't. Mm. Um, mm. And, and similarly... The internet doesn't forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> open, open AI, the, your specific view of your AI queries will forget about what you've asked, but mm. open AI won't. They'll still use that data to to better their AI if they can. I mean, they'd be silly. Not well, to. no, that's this is what they're saying. Though OpenAI has introduced what one employee code called incognito mode. Uh, ChatGPT that does not save users' conversation history or use it to improve its artificial intelligence. Oh, look at that! I missed that. Right, so it doesn't feed back into the model. That's right, what they're okay. saying. That seems counterproductive for a company that's trying to well i mean they are winning the ai race at the moment yeah. but but i'm um, it seems counterproductive to me to limit your I, ai training you know what i think i think they've cop- been copping a lot of flack um over privacy and they've introduced this mode and this now actually opens it up for enterprise use case because Oh. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want an enterprise to use this because you're feeding potentially confidential it's, information yeah. into the model, right? 
But if you can guarantee that you've got this incognito mode, then why not use it, right? That's actually a really good point. I've I've never ever thought of a of ChatGPT as something that would ever be used in enterprise. Um but I suppose it's much like all of the other tools that 10 years ago we never thought would be used in the enterprise. They're there. They're being used, consumed considerably on a, on a daily basis. A daily, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how this one pans out, but I, I really think they're making an angle for that. I mean, they're trying to just go into all the gaps in the market, right? Like, this is what you do with anything new like this. Yeah. And that's a that's a big one. I mean, you're already seeing. I mean, even even Kasna, right? We've we, we've had a few things internally, a few internal discussions about using chat models um, for for business related activities. And the, the general position is, be careful, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't do it if you don't have to. Um, but but there's no guarantee that that someone isn't going to feed some confidential information into the model and then it stays in there. So that's right. It, if if an enterprise could spin up a model internally um, and it was private to them, that might be a bit different, and I think we'll probably get there one day. Um, but right now, um, that this is the way to do it. I think I think in order to get there, though, the the price of GPUs and the likes are going to have to come down a lot. Yeah, yeah compute prices is a lot at the moment. Yeah. Oh, it's a very very expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. But you, as we've seen on the show, um, you can run a large language model on your own. You can spin one up on your own computer. Yeah, that's You've right. You've got uh, Vincuda and um, oh, there was another one we looked at there as well that was a, a smaller one. But you, yeah, and they 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 they, they don't perform just as well. Yeah, but I, they're they're usable up to a point, right? That's right. I was going to say if you if you're looking for the the capability of of ChatGPT, you're going to need a lot of processes. Yeah. Far more compute power. All right, so there's that, and this other one I came across was auto blogging AI. Now, if you're a blogger and you want to write articles, then this is the way to do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So there's actually a video uh, of a dude. Um, he writes in the, the video is 30 minutes long, and he writes 1,000 articles in 30 minutes using this. Wow. And what you do is he had a CSV uh, and the CSV contained some metadata like the article, uh, like a prompt for the article, like a, a title, you know, the number of words uh, and a few other little bits and pieces, which, by the way, was actually all also generated by an AI. Right? He took that, fed that into autoblogger.ai. Now, autoblogger.ai links into a WordPress plugin. Oh, right? wow. So it can automatically publish the articles to WordPress. Now, here's the thing. If you want to get high SEO ranking and you want to have credible articles, you've got to have a lot of credible, credible articles, right? And then, you, yeah. and then you can do things like sell backlinks on your website and all that. Oh, I'm not interested in any of that, but this is what these guys are doing, right? Mm. Um, and... You need a lot of articles to do that, and you can use another thing which will schedule the posts. And if you set it to schedule a post, you know, you have like a queue of a thousand articles and it schedules a post every two hours. It kind of looks like a human's generating a these human's articles, it. right? That's it's right. just posting them. Gives you higher SEO rankings, right? This yeah, is the right. tactics that these guys are using now. 
right? Yes. So be aware, right? This, this is what I'm, I'm cluing all you guys up on what's going on, right? Be aware this is what's happening. Yeah, this it, it seems it seems fraught with danger, really. I mean, if you're using anything like ChatGPT, we all know you can you could ask it a question and it couldn't give you two conflicting answers. Um, I I wonder I wonder how good it is at writing actual logical articles. Oh, they're quite good. They're, Are they? They're quite good. I had a look. I had a look just through a couple of paragraphs that he was showing on the YouTube video. Quite sound, sensible, like really well written. Um, this is what these guys are claiming. They are using, uh, you can use GPT-3, 3.5 or 4 models, um, and it's tuned to generate really comprehensive and highly detailed re- readable articles to the word length that you specify. Okay, that's Interesting. I'm going to have to have a look at it. Yeah. Although this is I did what notice selling. it costs yeah. a large sum of money. There is. Yeah. If you want to try it out, it's a, it's a buck an article. Um, or they've got a they've got like a monthly pricing plan. Um, US dollars. Yeah. Twenty dollars yep. for the month with maximum twenty articles. I find it interesting that the auto blogging has written a review of the Amazon Basics 27 inch monitor. Yeah. And it actually does look. It looks like a human's written it. Which yeah. Scares me a lot because that uh, that means that now I question the legitimacy of any review I see on any website. Yeah, so you could you could automate those the posting of those articles, right? So autoblogging AI do provide a few free tools that you could try, um, and these could be handy, right? So you've got um, and you'll have to you'll have to actually Google autoblogging free tools because they don't give you a link directly off their page, and I only found this by accident. But they give you a title generator. You just put in a couple of keywords and it gives you a nice title. Um, metadata descriptor, also good, right? That's great for, for your SEO to put that in your metadata in your, da- in your, in your article. Um, and a headings outline generator. Now, that's really cool as well. I mean, if you're writing a document and you had, you know, what are we working on lately, Ian? GCVE. Um, yeah. GCVE, migration, um, uh, steps. I don't. I have no idea what this is going to do. Here we go. So it's just generated headings, introduction. Yeah. Why migrate to GCVE? Key benefits of GCVE. Planning your GCVE migration. Executing your GCVE migration. Testing your GCVE migration. Going live. Monitoring. Troubleshooting. Conclusion. That's yeah, perfect. Very nice. Right. There we go. So we can just take that, put that in that thing, generate our generate our article from that. Yeah, right. That, yeah. I, I'm going to have to have a play with this one now. Yeah. So that's a really cool free tool. Um, you know, there's hundreds of these tools coming out now, little yeah. things like this. Um, we might not, might like to, uh, you know, might, might, might make a little uh, web article myself and collect them all into one place because – you know, I'm not going to go and use my brains to think of this thing stuff like a sucker or <laughs> an AI can do it. <laughs> That's it. No, you still need to think a little bit, but uh, it's great to have these available. Even if it's just a um, a little jog, a little little thing just to just to get the you know creative juices flowing a little bit. Um, you know, I I just read out those headings, and if I was to write that article, yeah, I'd, I'd start with that, but strong possibility I'd change things as I work through. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I've uh, I quite often have written articles on, especially GCVE actually, mm. uh, going through the various topics of GCVE on my blog, and I start out with this sort of rough bullet point of what I want to cover, and by the end of the article, I've covered like a third of them. 
because yeah. the article is just too long. Too long, yeah. Yep. Uh, Autoblogger AI might save you there, Ian. <laughs> yep, it might do. <laughs> All right, well, look, let's get on to the, the big news for uh, GCP fans uh, and Google. Uh, the godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, quits Google and he- warns over dangers of misinformation. Yeah, this is this is not. He's not the first one that's that's quit an AI role in Google or or been let go from an AI role in Google. So, I I like when it first happened. I was like, oh, you know, there's there's someone there who's got some wacky ideas on what can possibly happen. But now that we've got uh, we've got the Godfather of AI quitting, I'm I'm a bit more concerned. Yeah, I mean, does it put a hole in Google's? AI research, uh, I, I don't know. I, they're, they're not moving along as as quickly as as OpenAI seems to be. And in fact, the OpenAI, the whole OpenAI thing, seems to have been the catalyst for him leaving because he, you know, Google was been kind of put into this position where they had to respond to it. Hmm. Um, they were moving along nice and slowly and cautiously and and carefully and you know likely led. Um, by you know what Jeffrey Hinton had to say internally, and suddenly just out of the gate, out of the blue, um, OpenAI just mixes the game up, and uh, Google had to respond. I mean, it was you know, yeah, that's right. It, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the cable television wars in the nineties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when Foxtel first came out. When and, Foxtel and first Optus. came out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they, it was just just leapfrogging and. I mean, we're seeing it with streaming services as well, right? Like yeah. everyone's got to have a finger in the pie, right? Everyone's got because if you don't, you miss out. That's right, and you right. get left behind. Like you, you in behind. order to yep. get into any sort of streaming service at the moment, like you, you could never do a startup streaming service now. No. You, the amount of money you would require is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But the 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 cable TV wars left. Well, it, certainly in Australia, it left. Uh, left our internet services in a fairly bad way because um, Telstra and Optus both came, or, or Foxtel and Optus, Telstra and Optus at those days, yeah, uh, yeah. both came to the conclusion, both agreed that they weren't going to tread on the other player's turf. Person's so, patch, yeah. Yeah, so you ended up with like suburbs that were cabled for Telstra or some, or half of them were cabled for Optus, half of cabled for Telstra. Yeah. And, and yeah. no one could get the service that they wanted no. at any, any particular time. Yeah, it That's was horrible. Right. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Um, but, and we're still feeling reper- repercussions of that to some degree as well. Oh, well, the remediation yeah. on HFC yeah. is is horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, HFC, yeah, that's my particular point. But but we digress there a little bit. Yep. Um, so this article, uh, which I'll link from The Guardian, uh, the man often touted as the godfather of AI has quit Google, citing concerns over the flood of misinformation, the possibility for AI to upend the job market, and the existential risk posed by the creation of a true digital intelligence. So he he seriously be- seems to believe that we can get a true general intelligence, an AGI. Yeah, and this is I mean, if- this is this is a bit a bit scary. And I've got another quote that he has here that says, "I've come to the conclusion that the kind of intelligence we're developing is very different from the intelligence we have." So if you uh, so it's as if you had 10,000 people and whenever one person learns something, everybody automatically knew it. And that's how these chatbots can know so much more than any one person. Yeah, that's, yeah. 
it, it's sort in, of it's the hive mind. Know it, yeah. yeah, it's the hive mind. Yeah, it's the Borg. Yeah, hate to say it. It is indeed the Borg. <laughs> it's the Borg. Um, Hinton seventy five said he quit to speak freely about the dangers of AI, and in part regrets his contribution to the field. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't know if I, if even if I did contribute to what would become potentially a dangerous AI, I don't ever know that I'd regret a contribution to a field that, when I was doing it, I believed was valuable to humanity. Mm, mm. Um, but I understand where he's coming from there. It's if he yeah. if he honestly believes that it's dangerous, then then I understand why he would regret it. Well, it happened in Terminator Two. That's right. Yeah. You know, he, he regretted and then all his work got destroyed, all his work and all the rest of it. And then he dies anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. And and it's been way too many years since I've watched that movie. Yeah. You need to go and watch it now. I know. <laughs> um, last month, take take a quote from one of the, one of the show's favourite people. Last uh. month, Elon Musk said he had fallen out of, he had fallen out with the Google co-founder Larry Page. Because Page was not taking AI safely, safety seriously enough. Now, yeah. here's the thing, right? Now he started up his own AI company, yeah. it, right? It, 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 this it, is just a whinge, right? He went he out just, publicly and went, "Oh, decrying <laughs> AI, decrying AI," and then, "Oh, I'm just going to go and buy like a million processors." That's right, and start my own AI company. He just wants a piece of the pie as well, and he's just telling everyone, "No, no, 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 slow down, slow down. I can do it properly. I'll do it properly." Yeah, yeah. like I, he did the way, properly. Yeah, the way Elon Musk does his engineering, he ain't doing nothing slow. Right, he'll no. just go fail fast, fail fast, fail fast. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. Mm. Like launch a rocket off a half-built plinth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good article there. I'll link it in the show mm. notes. Uh, lots of quotable quotes in there. Um, yeah, but he's gone. So I am waiting with bated breath to see the interview with him because you know someone CNN or someone's going to interview him and he's going to unload. Oh yeah, I, I would imagine that's yeah, that's going to be, be awesome to watch. That will be an awesome watch. Yep. All right, Ian. We are well over an hour into our recording. How do you feel? How do you feel after your last your first day here? Yeah, good. Very good. That was it. Was a good show. We had a lot of laughs and. Uh, Covered a lot of stories. We did, we did. And, uh, you know, Star Wars will never be the same again. No. <laughs> so, no. Anyway, guys, go to iTunes, write a review for the show. That'll really help the show out. Uh, don't forget, you can contact the show, gcplife at kazna.com.au. We have a Twitter there, at gcplife. Uh, I cross-post the shows on my LinkedIn as well, so make sure you go and friend me on LinkedIn. Um, and we have the website, uh, GCP Life, oh, sorry, kazno.com.au, latest thinking. Uh, I think we've still got Dave's picture up there, but we'll get, we'll get Ian up there ASAP. Uh, and don't forget, today's show is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. That's about it from me. You got anything else to add, Ian? Go and go and have a play with Google Cloud. Yeah, everyone should go and have a play with Google Cloud. Hundred percent. And and we have to put some serious thought into how we're going to do the show when we're up in Cape York. So that that'll be a discussion item for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Four wheel drives roaring past on the side of the old telly track. That's it. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.
Yeah, I've been looking in the the Google Cloud developers thing and oh, I was trying to find something to reply to, and it's like, damn, Ian's replied to that one. Ian's already replied to that one. Ian's already replied to that one. <laughs> <laughs>